So, I personally haven't really seen much on Telebox or at the cinema, but I thought, why don't we do something a little bit different or something we haven't done for a while? Yep. Big little quiz before we get going. Uh, okay, yeah. go on then. Sounds so good. I have... Challenge me. 20 questions. Right. All of them are questions about films we have reviewed on. oh okay this is now really testing me <laughs> i can't even remember what film we reviewed last week <laughs> i know I, I had to check i had to check oh that. i forgot about that okay so yes. i think you I, I think you can do them the whole lot that's how confident okay. i am in you ready okay yep number one mm-hmm. where is the treasure buried in the good the bad and the ugly under a grave? I'll take that. Graveyard. Question number two. In which movie is an angel sent to show George Bailey what life would have been like? Wonderful life. Oh, it's a wonderful life. There you go. Um, Sigourney Weaver plays a- Ellen Ripley. Aliens? Alien or aliens? It's aliens. You said aliens first, actually. It was because <laughs> it was the James Cameron movie. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy star in which historical action movie about fur hunting? Oh, um, oh, what's the name of the Reverend? Yes. Did I say it right? Because I... <laughs> you did. You, say, well, you don't have to think about it. You say <laughs> it right, the Reverend. Okay. This, is, this might be tricky. How many years is Marcy McFly sent into the past in Back to the Future? Mm, Actually, 20? 25? 30? Yeah, 30. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> In which movie does the main character wear a T-shirt saying "Vote for Pedro"? Oh, um, <laughs> I love this. Oh, the geeky one. <laughs> oh, what's the name of it? I can't remember. What's the name of it? Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, that's right, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. James Stewart has a fear of heights. In which Alfred Hitchcock movie that Sarah Paul hated? There to go. There to go. The last bit wasn't on the card. In the movie of the same name, who plays the greatest showman? The greatest showman is played by um, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Which band plays at Lillian's wedding in Bridesmaids? Uh, oh. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, was it? Was it? I can't remember. Pass. Wilson Phillips. Oh, yes. Wilson Phillips. Which animated film won an Academy Award for Best Original Song for Remember Me? Remember Me. Remember. Not Toy Story, was it? Was it Toy Story? Remember. No. Oh, it's uh, Coco. It certainly is. Okay. Who plays the astronaut stranded on Mars in The Martian? Uh, Who plays it? Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon. Okay, Will Ferrell and Christina Applegate play newsreaders in which comedy of 2004? Um, uh, Afternoon Delight, that one. Anchorman. Yes. <laughs> Funny I remember the song first, hey? I, 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 what 1989 movie features the famous line, I'll have what she's having? Harry Met Sally. Yeah. When Harry Met Sally. Apologies. In what movie did... Michael Carer play Ellen Page's love interest, or is it Michael Sarah? Michael Carer, Sarah, I think it is Michael Sarah, and it is Juno. It is okay, nearly there. 
In which spoof action movie does a traumatized ex fighter pilot passenger try to land a commercial airplane? Airplane? Airplane, yes. Which movie is set on the distant moon of Pandora? Uh, Avatar. Two more. In what movie did Keanu Reeves play a federal agent called Johnny Utah? Yes, it's a surfing one. What's it called? Uh, Point Break. Yes. And the last question. Which 1994 action movie featured Natalie Portman in her movie debut? Um, Neon. Yes. Yes. Pretty yes. good. Yes. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? It's not bad. It's only the first, I hope, I hope our listeners Wilson, played along. Wilson Phillips <laughs> and Napoleon Dynamite were the only two. Uh, Wilson Phillips, yeah. There you go. Bit of fun. <sighs> that song is in my head now, but I will not sing because I can't sing very well. What, Wilson Phillips or Afternoon <laughs> yeah. Delight? Both. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Uh, I have watched some stuff, though. I've watched Reacher with Alan Richon. He plays Jack Reacher. He is huge. I can't believe the size of this guy. He's, he's like bigger, six... bigger, than, bigger than Tom Cruise, then, right? He would make a great He-Man. I think if the He-Man <laughs> comes back, he has to play He-Man. And it's 8.3 on IMDb. Can't complain. That's pretty good. And Baby Driver watched on Sky, I think it was. Yeah, so that was a good watch. That's really freaky because last podcast, when we were talking about films you've watched, I forgot that I watched Baby Driver. Ah, first time Baby Driver's too. good, isn't it? Isn't it brilliant? It's on my list. It's on my fantastic. List. I mean, I've heard loads of good things about it. Yeah. And um, also, I have heard that there is going to be a He-Man movie coming out. <gasps> I know. Who's and I, playing and I just, He-Man? Well, Who's playing He-Man? It has to be to the to guy look. from Richer, surely. It's not on IMDb yet, but I'm I'm almost certain I've heard that, well, they're, that they're doing a film version. Any casting directors, Alan... Richson would be perfect. There you go. Probably find it's Tom Holland playing He Man. (laughs) Tom Holland. Because he's everywhere at the moment. So Tom Holland. (laughs) Can you imagine Tom Holland? That's so funny. Tom Holland just just turns up. He'll be okay more. He'll be okay more than anything. (laughs) They could they could put Tom Holland in in anything and it would be successful at the moment. Yeah, uh, same with Mark Wahlberg, actually, to be honest. That is true. (laughs) Hardest working man in Hollywood. We'll talk talk about them a bit later, shall we? Should we go go on to, should we talk about Almost Famous first? Let's do Almost Famous, yeah. Okay. So that was my film for last week, and it was directed and written by Cameron Crowe, who previously brought to us Jerry Maguire, Singles, Say Anything with John Cusack in as well. So it stars Kate Hudson, Billy Cudrup, Jason Lee, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Anna Paquin, Zoe Deschanel, and the lesser-known Patrick Fugit, who's the teenager in this, and he, he's amazing in this, to be honest. And then you've got the one and only Francis McDermott, who plays his mum. So the story's about a bright 15-year-old schoolboy called William Miller in the early 70s, and he's given the chance to write a story for the Rolling Stones, and he's following... Still War 2 is an up-and-coming band. The band is actually a warm-up act, I believe, for Black Sabbath. Basically, he goes on tour with this band, and he finds it really hard to pin down the lead guitarist, Russell Hammond, who's Cudrup, 
to interview them for this article. And many distractions get in the way and he ends up pretty much joining his entourage and being out on tour for quite some time. His mum ringing him up, just checking he's all right, because they think he's actually over 18, when actually he's only 15, which gets discovered later in the film. But nothing comes of it, however, which I find really bizarre. But for William, he bonds with Hudson's character, Penny Lane, discovers himself and he lives a little and has an opportunity of a lifetime. The band Stillwater are fictitious, but I hear Cameron Crowe did write for Rolling Stones as a young man and Crowe first toured with the Allman Brothers band. So there is a bit of a connection in this film, which I think is quite a nice connection. I feel this film also has a lot of charm. It's really up there and a strong coming of age film, more than Licorice Pizza, I would say. And you're talking about the 1970s here and there's alcohol abuse, there's drug abuse. However, the story is an adventure, a comedy, a drama. And as we chose last week, it is under music or musical as well. I think the best piece in this film for me was the scene where they nearly had a plane crash and it's just priceless. They all say how much they love each other and how much they, you know, connected. They discover band members sleeping with other band members' partners and there's just so many secrets come out. It's, it's just entertaining to watch. The film is oozing with toe-tapping recognisable 70s hits and especially Elton John songs were recognisable for me. I could hear the background, however, very attuned to Jerry Maguire, which was filmed before this film. And it's very Springsteen-esque kind of era, which I guess is the 80s, isn't it, as well? But I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to let you say your thoughts, Rob. What do you think? I really liked it. I had seen it once before, but I couldn't remember. I think the biggest quality is its charm. I think it's a really nice idea that they've set this world of a rock band and the groupies of the rock band and this wide-eyed innocent teenager together works really really well and I think what's really nice about it is that Will never gave in to that way of life he he never got seduced by the drink and the drugs and the rock and roll and the sex and all this stuff I mean obviously he was kind of lying about his age and there is this really sweet I suppose you'd have to say it kind of a love story in a strange way. I mean, like the relationship he has with Penny Lane, they quickly established that Will's quite a lot younger than her. But there's Mm. this affinity between those two that Will seems to cling on to, even though he's well aware that she's the girlfriend of one of the band members, Russell. And Will's such a nice guy because... He always seems the best in everyone. And so in a strange way, he becomes friends with Russell and indeed with all the band members. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who plays this disillusioned muso who Will taps up for advice right at the beginning of the film. And he's a rock journalist. And so he's picking his brains because he wants to be a rock journalist. And he's like, saying, oh, the industry is all going to, it's all about to turn bad. It's all going to go commercial. And he plays this character that warns right from the outset, if you want to be a rock journalist, don't ever think they're your friends. So don't ever get sucked into it. You've got to be honest. You've got to write from the heart. And of course, that's exactly what happens. He becomes friends with everyone. Yeah. Many times they call him the enemy as well, don't they? Still water do. That's right. Jason Lee. Jason Lee really wasn't, his character really wasn't sure about him, was he? No, he wasn't, but they couldn't help themselves because he was just such a nice guy. Every yeah, time, every yeah. now and again, they yeah. got to check themselves to be careful about what they were going to say. And in a weird way, there was a classic scene where there's a big argument, as there always is in the band. There's a big argument 
between Russell, the lead singer, and I think one of the guitarists, and Russell just storms off. Will goes with him, and they end up in some party in the local teenagers' party, yeah, teenage pool <laughs> party. <laughs> Russell's just had enough of band; like, he wants to go back and experience what it's like just to be a kind of a normal person. And there's this hilarious scene where he gets absolutely wasted, and he's on top of this house, and he's about to jump in the pool. Yeah. And there's Will trying to talk sense into him. So you've got this 15-year-old kid. <laughs> In actual fact, is there trying to advise and trying to help out these uh, these friends of his who are in this band? Yeah, it's, it's strange. Even though it's about that world, it's actually a very sweet, almost tender story, which mm. is more about, like you say, coming of age. But it's also about friendship as well. The, the yeah. overriding feeling is after you've watched this movie is that despite everything that got in the way of everybody's friendships at the end, it was the friendships that really rang true. And I really like Frances McDormand's character. She's brilliant. Brilliant, wasn't it? So that's a great character yeah. of William's mum. Another classic scene is where she's completely fraught because Will goes away for his first writing assignment and every time she hears from him, he's staying on because he just keeps staying on the road and every now and again one of the band members or groupies will take the phone and reassure her that William's an amazing kid he's doing great and there's a classic scene where she gets Russell one time instead of Will and she, she almost like it's like it's like the teacher or like Russell's it's like yep. telling Russell off and Russell ends up going into child mode it's brilliant but don't you think it's a bit weird because she actually told Russell how old he was and nothing ever came of that afterwards he was like yeah yeah okay uh, like um i think he thought it obviously at first he was 18 but it wasn't discussed after that yeah that's true come- maybe he just had almost more respect for him when he learned he was only 15 and he said he was 18 <laughs> i love the mum when she obviously Frances mcdormand she had a dysfunctional family but she, at the same time she just didn't want to lose her son and a daughter obviously her relationship is a bit fraught i think at the start of the movie but that fortunately changes towards the end but the fact that will was supposed to come back for graduation and she still goes to his graduation and cheers everybody on i just thought what strong character what a strong mum but she knows at the same time her son's okay she knows he's okay because she does manage to get hold of him now and then but yeah, yeah. no it's great great acting from her in fact all the cast all the cast so the, the, yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those films i think we said this about another film recently you know there's nothing to really fault about it in so much as you can't really fault the acting you can't fault the script yeah. You may not engage with the story of the characters, but there's no misstep in this. I felt Cameron Crowe had really poured his heart into it. It felt almost like a kind of a real fanboy type film in terms of that world. And it's not surprising that it's semi-autobiographical. And what's really nice is there are elements that he remembers from his time that have gone directly into this. So like the huddle before they all Mm. go on stage, he saw that happening when he was in the audience of one of the concerts he was reporting on. Penny Lane is based on a friend that he knew. Apparently that scene that you're talking about on the plane, (laughs) he was actually on a flight himself. And apparently someone actually came out and said that they'd slept with somebody just before the pilot came out to say that they were okay with through the turbulence. So he he kind of drew a lot of these (laughs) things actually from real life. You can just tell it's been made with real care and affection, can't you? You know, all of the characters, even the ones that aren't likable, they kind of are likable in their own way. They're all coming from a a really good place. Billy Cudrup, apparently Brad Pitt was lined up 
to play that main character for for quite a few mm. months. And eventually Brad Pitt himself decided to pull out because he said, I just don't get it enough. And I can't imagine him in this film. I think that's part of the beauty of it. All of the characters, they're not hugely mainstream. It's true. Another thing I thought was really odd, not odd, but these are things that I spotted straight away. I can get them out of my head. Patrick Fugitz, the guy who plays Will, when he smiles... For me, that smile looks just like Christian Bale's smile. And I couldn't... Yep, I not, can see that. He doesn't look like Christian Bale, but his smile, no. his smile yeah. does. Yeah, I just found that I couldn't get that out of my head. And then reading up, bizarrely, Christian Bale nearly had the role, that lead role. Right. It's Billy Kudrup. And I always get some actresses mixed up. And I always get Kirsten Dunst mixed up with Kate Hudson and Claire Danes. For some reason, those three. And I mean, I know this was uh, Kate Hudson played the role. But again, reading up, it was so nearly Kirsten Dunst. And Claire Danes was also in the running. I mean, there were lots of others. But she, they... she would have been a lot younger, though, wouldn't she, Claire Danes? I don't know, actually. Well, maybe they were not. All, maybe they maybe were she's the same age of... as Anna Paquin. Yes. Yeah, they were exactly. And the other, the other, just again, another nice touch of this was he took this script around Hollywood to try and get the funding for it and Spielberg read it and was so taken with the script he just said to him just direct the script like word for word just direct it and there's obviously quite a few scenes in this that contain iconography of famous bands but Mm -hmm. there was a scene when Russell goes to Will's house towards the end of the film and Will is sitting on the bed yeah but apparently the pose he's in on that bed is a nod to Back to the Future. Marty is McFly, it? yeah, apparently Marty McFly sits in exactly the same position when he eventually comes back. And right. it's supposed to be a little kind of thank you to Spielberg. You're never going to pick that up. It's only when you read these things afterwards, it's just like... That some of these things I always find quite interesting to hear about. But I absolutely love Cameron Crowe. One of the films that I've suddenly realised, having watched this, has got to go on my list is Vanilla Sky, which is one of my favourites. Really? Yeah. That's and... interesting because that's probably my least favourite of Cameron <laughs> <laughs> um, But I remember singles. I mean, I yeah. can't remember what I thought of it. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yeah Jerry well. Maguire. That's on my list. I, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, what's not to like about the film, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean... I think Patrick Fugit, I call him Fugit or Fugit. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know how you say it either. He's such a sweet teenager in this. And we haven't seen him really in anything else, to be honest. He's been in some TV parts. He was in Gone Girl as a bit part as well. He was in a a Border Zoo. He was in ER and House, but he's not really done that much. Apparently, though, he grew three inches in the making of this film and his voice broke. That's quite late, isn't it? Because it's released when he was about 17, 18. But I thought that was quite late, really. But um, yeah, I can imagine that must have been a bit of a nightmare when... (laughs) Not directing and wanting him in this film, that suddenly his voice breaks. It's like a singer when their voice voice breaks, I suppose. They had to ask him to lower his voice, that scene when Mm. they're all on the bus and Tiny Dancer, because apparently in real life his voice was awful and was ruining the scene, so they had had to ask him to quieten down. Um, Yeah. So And Kate Hudson... She had four films that were released in that same year 
in 2000. And I mean, this is by far the more credible film that, she, that was released. But uh, she went on to do Four Feathers with Heath Ledger. But after that, really kind of mostly honed in on comedies, really, sort of the Goldie Horn way, really, her mum. And uh, she did How to Lose a Guy in, in 10 Days, You Me Dupree, Bride Wars, Fool's Gold, you know. But she's not done anything majorly big. But I, I think she's a girl's girl. I would love to go to the pub or a wine bar <laughs> with her, Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts and Goldie Horn. Just have a good chin <laughs> Like, can you imagine that group? It would just That's be, cool. she, she's just funny. Anna Paquin had X-Men released in the same year as well. She's Oscar winner from the piano at a very young age. And then, uh, you know, Frances McDormand, she was already an Oscar winner as well before this film from Fargo as well. And she's gone to more serious films, I would say. This was probably a bit more comical role because she, she's done like Barton Fink, Primal Fear, Wonder Boys, Miller's Crossing. And now she has gone into sort of a bit more relaxed, sort of big blockbuster films like Trans. Transformers she was in, The Good Dinosaur she's done the voiceover for, Hail Caesar was probably a bit more comical as well and then obviously she won recently the Oscar for Nomadland as well. But I can't fault the film really at all. I mean, I, I did wonder whether it plodded a little bit at one point, but I was pretty much engaged throughout the film and the music was great. And as you said, you like Cameron Crowe films. I do as well. But interestingly, Vanilla Sky is probably my <laughs> least favourite. So if that's on your list, that's going to be... I, I may change my mind, actually. I just don't think I enjoyed it as much as some of the other ones at the cinema when I watched them. Well, it's very different from... Mm, mm. So what are you going to give it then? I think I'm going to give it eight... The only reason I suppose I wouldn't give it more mm-hmm. is because I felt it didn't really have like a cutting edge to it. But that's purely by nature of the kind of film it is. We, we say it's a really sweet, charming, coming of age film. And although there's there's elements of sex, drugs, rock and roll, it's not, it's mm. not really in your face or disturbing. And no. so that's the only reason that I wouldn't give it slightly more. That's just a personal thing of sometimes I want a film to do something that's a bit more jarring. This didn't, but as a really nice story, well acted, all the rest of it. It's almost like for me, you know that thing I had with the tender bar where I mm-hmm. found the story? It, it's way better than, don't get me wrong. Oh it, yeah, like, much it's better. way than better than the yeah. tender bar, don't yeah. get me wrong. But it's that same kind of thing. It's just a very nice story told, but yeah, didn't have that kind of bite that maybe allow mm. me to give it a little bit more. Uh, another thing just obviously goes without saying, the soundtrack on this, not surprisingly, is fantastic. Yeah, it did win BAFTAs for sound and also for writing, and it won an Oscar for best writing as well for original screenplay. So, and that, you know, it's coming from a writer, isn't it? I suppose directed by a writer. I can't fault it. I think it's really up there. I've been toying what to give it, to be honest. I'm going to give it all the full hog. I'm going to go 10 out of 10. Because oh, that's amazing. I really, I really enjoyed it again, watching it again. And, and I don't feel you can fault much. I mean, Lion, there was a little ploddy bit as well, I felt. So I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 because simply... Oh. I can't fault that? it at all. That's brilliant. I've been wondering, I've been wondering when someone's going <laughs> to... They've been quite low for me recently. <laughs> come out with a big score. That's awesome. I can totally see why you've done that. Yeah. Do you know what was interesting? What? My husband goes to me, this was Rob's film, wasn't it? I go, no, it was mine. <laughs> you go, really? He goes, <laughs> I've surprised him. I've shocked he him. He thinks he can predict whose films are whose. Interesting. Mm. Okay, so the newbie... 
is up now. So that's Uncharted. So this is Tom Holland's latest film, which he filmed just before the latest Spider-Man film. So this mm. is directed by Ruben Fleischer, best known for Zombieland movies and Venom. Written by Rafe mm-hmm. Judkins, Mark and Matt Holloway, starring Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg and Antonio Banderas. So we are introduced to Nathan Drake, Tom Holland. Before I go on, obviously, if you don't know, this is based on a video game, which is called Uncharted. Interestingly, right at the beginning of this film, they got this Marvel-esque opening sequence, you know, that they have with Lucasfilm as well, where they've got this montage of all of the Mm. characters, and it finishes with PlayStation production or PlayStation films. I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. And this is the first film from the PlayStation canon, I suppose. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, Nathan Drake, main character, played by Tom Holland. We introduce him as a young kid who idolizes his older brother, Sam, who loves history, historical artifacts, and he gets caught trying to steal this ancient First World map, which is the first recorded circumnavigation of the Earth back in 1522, which is called the Magellan Expedition. Gets caught. They both live in a foster home. As punishment, Sam's forced to leave. As he leaves, he promises his brother he'll return, and he leaves him this ring, which he wears around his neck, which belongs to their late great ancestor, Sir Francis Drake, obviously. So there are many, obviously, direct links to the video game that I'm not going to know. We then fast forward. Nathan is a lot older. He's working in a bar. He's pickpocketing his wealthy customers, laying on the charm. And he meets Sully, who's this seasoned treasure hunter, who claims to be an old friend of Sam and says he lost contact with him after an expedition to track down this ancient lost gold of the House of Moncada, which was this treasure that was hidden by the this same Portuguese expedition from that first sail around the world, hence the interest in the map Sam had. Sully already has an ancient diary from the expedition and believes there are two ancient crosses that will help him find the treasure, one of which is owned by one of his contacts in Barcelona, another kind of treasure hunter called Chloe Fraser, and the other one is about to go out for auction that week. You've got the villain of the piece, the heir to the house of Moncada, Santiago, played by Antonio Banderas, and he is after the gold himself, and so he's come to the auction, he's expecting to bid for it, get the cross. So Sully lures in Nathan to come up with a plan to foil him, steal the cross from under Santiago's nose at the auction, and then they head off to Barcelona, hook up with Chloe, where they think the treasure is, and basically this just kicks off this Indiana Jones-esque globe-trotting fun family adventure with this Santiago and his crew on their tail. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'm going to pass over to you. This is out at the cinemas at the moment. It's number one at the box office right now with $139 million worldwide gross, $44 million opening weekend, which is pretty good. And the cost to make it is an unbelievable $130 million. So they are in profit. Been out for two weeks in the UK. But for me, yeah, it's a cross between Indiana Jones. You said it right there. Uh, National Treasure, I think it's probably more aligned to with Nick Cajun. And then there's Tomb Raider as well with Angelina Jolie and 
Alien, which is, you know, obviously based off the PlayStation game as well. And yeah, first Sony PlayStation productions. I saw that too. And I was like, ooh. I took my kids to see this and they really enjoyed it, but not on the same level as Spider-Man No Way Home, I have to be honest. But Tom Holland is completely, right now, is their hero. They are obsessed with him. They've got Tom Holland, Spider-Man on their mobile phones, screensavers on their laptops that they have. And yeah, they love Tom Holland. And uh, he's got such a bright future ahead of him and, and four films also on the way as well, including Fred Astaire biopic also. I'm going to home in on the on the actors. Mark Wahlberg, in the spotlight since he was Marky Mark and the New Kids on the Block days in 1990. You know, he's been a singer, he's been Calvin Klein model, he's starred in many great movies and comedy to seriousness to porn, let's just say, because he's been in The Fighter, Boogie Nights, Instant Family is a really good film, Deepwater Horizon, Transformers, The Italian Job, many will remember him from, and The Departed as well. You've got also Ted and Daddy's Home and their sequels. But Mark Wahlberg appears to be in this film like a retired action hero almost because he's given way for Tom Holland to do all these stunts I would say I know he's in his 50s but I did get an obvious sense that he left all the the stunts to his co-star I mean you can see they had a great relationship but there was Brian Cranston there's Jake Gillinghall Chris Pratt Chris Pine Chris Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson were also considered to play the role of Sully before it was handed over to Mark Wahlberg but actually Woody Harrelson would have played that role really well I think as well slightly you're not sure of his character not to be trusted and he doesn't need to do stunts so I don't think Mark Wahlberg did hardly any stunts in this film the female leads were pretty strong and tough got Sophia Alley who you may recognise from Grey's Anatomy a couple of years back she's also been in Amazon Prime's The Wilds which is a brilliant series there's a group of girls that's stranded on an island and after a, a fake plane crash I'll leave it as that and then there's Tatia Gabrielle who's done a lot of TV series like the, uh, the 100 and she's been in also the voiceover for Emoji Film but this is I think her and also Sophia Alley's first big films in front of the camera Tatia Gabrielle is also a black belt in karate. I think we're going to see her more and more in some action movies. And obviously there looks like there'll be a sequel after this film as well. And there's a connection between Tom Holland and her because both of them know Zendaya. She went to school with Zendaya and obviously Tom Holland's going out or dating Zendaya also. My kids loved it. It's a action movie, adventure movie that kind of washes over you. There's nothing really that will grab me like you'd be excited like in, in the Indiana Jones or I think National Treasure has probably done a bit better. But yeah, what I mean, have you got any further thoughts Oh, first of all, Tom Holland, as you say, I really genuinely think we're really lucky, or no, let's just say kids are really lucky to have him. I just think he's a fantastic role model, really, to be honest, yeah. for, for yeah. kids today. What he's done with Spider-Man, we've seen him flexing his acting muscles in Cherry, for example, where he plays like a mm-hmm. drug addict. He's already had an incredible career from his days as Billy Idiot. I think it's fantastic. And I think the biggest takeaway from this really does feel like it's Tom Holland's film. It's not surprising, you know, that he's behind it. He took this to Sony. He wanted to do a young James Bond prequel film because he loves James Bond 
Bond so much. They didn't want to do that. But you no, know, he talked about his love of this game series as well. And so they thought, well, why don't we do a prequel instead to the character? And that's, that's how it kind of all came about. And so I can't fault him. The only thing I might say, okay, so he's not really on the bulky side. That's the only thing you could say about him in this role. I was quite excited by the prospect of Wahlberg and Tom Holland together because I thought it's going to be fun. But I'm with you. What really stood out to me is the quite deliberate decision, obviously. It's almost a, a running joke in the film that Sully doesn't want to get involved in all of the stunts. And it's like almost a joke playing against type. Oh, it's Mark and here he is, this guy doesn't want to get involved as you go first and, and he's kind of in the background. But I don't think the joke worked. I don't think that joke was strong enough. And I then just found it strange that there's a third actor like Mark Wahlberg, who we know for playing mm. all these roles, mm-hmm. and there's Tom Holland, who's not as bulky. I'm not saying Mark Wahlberg's obviously not like a tall guy, but, you know, you seeing Tom Holland, and I know he's in the actual role because of Spider-Man and all the rest of it. I didn't find their chemistry as good as I think they were obviously intending it to be. Right. And I almost thought this is going to be really interesting if he continues to be a main character for the subsequent films. And I'd say this for the entire film as well. There was so much to love about it, especially because I think they are going to win this race to, like we said, National Treasure, Indiana Jones-esque, cool, funny, family adventure franchise. I think they've latched onto it and they've got it. It's done great business is put the whole you can't turn a video game into a successful box office a film to bed. And I can see this being really successful. And although the stunts were really good and the locations were great, you kind of get everything you want. But I just felt in general, it was just a little half-baked. I can see this could have been like really bang on it and really good. It was so close to hitting every note that Marvel would do with the script and the gags and the action. It almost felt like a warm-up for what I think this will go on to do. I can imagine Mm. them bringing in other actors, other characters to sit alongside Tom Holland and there'll be subsequent films and I can imagine this get better and better and better. And I almost felt this film was just finding its feet, didn't quite land perfectly, but that's me Mm. talking about it as an adult, like you, probably your criticisms are as an adult and I'm going to take my children to see this. I'm sure they'll love it. They won't be fussed about these things we're talking about. So whilst I didn't completely love it i could really see how this has got legs and tom holland is now going to be part of another massive franchise Yes. And do you know what was interesting? So many teenage parties in the cinema when I went to watch it, which were quite annoying, to be honest, because they're all giggly and talking to each other. So that might put me off the film a little bit because I couldn't concentrate. But my yeah, my kids loved it. It's 12A. So I think they've created it for 12A. Yeah, definitely. Obviously. Definitely. Yeah. And perhaps that's why our criticisms are because we wanted the adult connection to be better than it was. Like sometimes you get a feel that, that nails it and appeals to all age groups, whereas this, for me, didn't quite nail the adult yeah. enough. Yeah. But I think it will. As I say, I think this is just like a dress rehearsal warm-up for what could now be some really, really good, fun, well-done family films. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll throw a bigger budget it for the next one. Yeah, But I, will ju- I am just curious to know whether this character, Sully... I don't know enough about the video games. I don't even know if he's a character that was in the games. And obviously there's the usual end credit sequence. There's going to be another one. And Wahlberg is part of that scene. So I'm assuming he'll be, he'll be there at least for the next one. But But he only signed up for one. He only signed up for one. That is true. 
But if you only so, signed up for one, why be in that end sequence? Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't suppose that guarantees it. He'll be back. I think he's the boy next door, Tom Holland is, and I think that's what resonates with a lot of people. He's not hugely handsome. He's he's just got a very cute boy next door look about him. With a few muscles, with a few muscles, but he's only 24. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? And right. he's been in theatre for about five years, I think. So then he got discovered for the impossible. And then since then, he's got older and he's grown into, you know, Spider-Man. And he's been in Spider-Man for quite a few years. And apparently this film was supposed to be released in 2017, obviously wouldn't have had him in it then because he would have been too young probably so they kept pushing it back because there was some delays and the costs and everything i mean 130 million to make a film that's a lot of money <laughs> but the the amount of money it's already made we're still early days it's going to be huge yeah, so Avengers Endgame cost, wow, 356 million to make. So it's it's pretty much half the cost of that. But it made 2.7 billion. I don't think it's on the same scale as that, but incredible really. But yes, I think this is going to go much further. Will I watch the next one? Mm, not sure, not sure. I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. It wasn't for me, but that's from an adult perspective. I think if I was a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old, I'd probably be giving it 8 out of 10. I'll tell you what, let's go for the middle ground. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Ah, okay. I'm going to be a bit more generous. I'm going to give it seven and a half because I <laughs> I recognise that I think its target audience is going to love it. So with that in mind, I'll give it a little bit more. But it's interesting. We reviewed Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, when that first came out, we were a similar kind of age to, yep. to, to the age we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Kids will love this. There may be a nostalgic element to it, to be fair. But when you rewatch it, I felt you got a lot more from it as an adult viewer than you would watching mm, yeah. Uncharted if you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's no, I agree. the bit that they need to add to it and I think they will good good so new film for this week is <laughs> The Batman now you could do your Christian film <laughs> um Yeah, so the Batman is going to be our newbie, which is obviously the hotly anticipated new take on Batman, this time with Robin Patterson. I mean, I everything DC does is this whole dark, gloomy... But if ever there's going to be a dark, gloomy, gritty film that works, it should be about Batman. It's just a question. They've got to nail it. If they don't nail it, then everyone's going to say that same thing. Stop doing something so heavy and depressing. They've clearly gone for a kind of a cool lo-fi feel to it, which is different enough to hopefully make this a success. We've seen some decent stuff from DC. I mean, we like the first Wonder Woman film, less the second one. Anyway, I just, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. So that's the newbie. And the oldie, Sarah, you're the one drawing the genre out of the hats. And it is sci-fi. Sci-fi. I've only got nine. Nine. Let's go for your number one. It's E.T. E.T. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be straight away. had to be E.T. Don't need to say anything about E.T., do we? Apart from where you watch it. Everyone knows E.T. <laughs> so it's streaming on Virgin Go at the moment and you can rent and buy on pretty much all other TV platforms. So Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Sky Store, etc., etc. Good stuff. Quite iconic characters, though. E.T. and Batman. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Do you know what? Did E.T. make me cry? 
Did E.T. make you cry? I can't remember. Do you know what? I watched it at the cinema when it came out. Wow. I must have been about four or something like that. I think I'm a year younger than Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Those were the days where you literally stood outside and queued around the corner to get into the cinema. I remember being in the Mm. queue for like Return of the Jedi, Back to the Future and all that kind of stuff. I watched it in London and I think we went to go meet my dad who was working in London and we lived in Kent at the time and we went especially all the way into Leicester Square to watch it with my dad. Yeah, I I remember it, yeah. But yeah, I was very, very young at the time. I have watched it since, obviously, in TV, but I don't think I've watched it all the way through. I just remember being distraught when they, the guys in the white suits rocked up. And yeah, I mean, you watch Stranger Things, and God, there's a lot of ET. Yeah, new series coming out of Stranger Things very soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. I do you like a bit of Stranger Things? The the kids are probably adults now. <laughs> yeah, honest. well, they have they have <laughs> said that season five will be the last. So they have set a kind of an end date mm. for it. They they can't go on and on, can they? No, right. No. Okay. Very good. What have you got on this next couple of weeks? Have you got any films lined up? You can try and get to the cinema to watch. I might go and see Death on the Nile. Okay. Kenneth Branagh's new film. But apart from that, the Batman is actually the next film I really yeah, want to see. Yeah, probably Batman is the only one I'll get to see in the cinema. But I, I think um, we're going to watch tonight, in fact, Last Night in Soho. Oh, I've watched it. I think you'll enjoy it. Good. All right, then. Well, look, have a fantastic half term. Even though when this goes out, it won't be half term, but it's half no, term. No, it won't be half term. I'm on holiday. Hey. I've had a, I've had wine and everything during I this know, podcast. Check you it's out. been fantastic. You know, it's you know it's holiday time <laughs> when it's like seven o'clock on a Monday, and yep. instead of a coke, Sarah's got a glass of wine. <laughs> instead normally i'm tearing my hair out because i've just finished work or something haven't i so okay. so yeah well, i felt jealous. No, this is I good. A glass of wine as well so i had popcorn before not nachos and melted cheese that's no. Just, oh no that's cinema that's, that's cinema, cinema. Save that. cinema. yeah just absolutely cinema. yeah 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 all right mini um, eggs <laughs> mini eggs okay mini eggs i know mini eggs in february <laughs> Has to be done. Do you know what? Eggs. But you know, if you go into the petrol station now, they're trying to flog you the mint, the cream eggs. Yeah, oh. no, mini eggs tops cream eggs for me. Is it really? Yeah. See, are these the the ones with the hard shell on the outside? They are. They are. Yeah, yeah. it's too hard for me. I I, I would go really? for. Well, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like a gobstopper type of thing. But uh, for some <laughs> reason, I prefer I prefer just the outer layer, just going straight okay. to the chocolate, not messing yeah. around with some like outer dinosaur eggshell. Forget that. Just get straight yeah. in there. It's like the how do you eat yours kind of scenario anyway. I know. Anyway, I'm sure our listeners have probably switched off now, haven't they? They probably have. They, they've gone already. <laughs> <laughs> well, Should we say goodbye anyway? Should we say goodbye? Well, gone. If anyone's still listening, <laughs> we'll say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>